2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And this is a special passage tonight. Uh, I love this section of uh, 2 Kings. And uh, last Sunday evening, we examined the God who, we, we learned about the God who can cause iron to float. And today, tonight, we're going to learn about God who can open and close eyes and who defends his servants. It's beginning in verse 8. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him, thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Then the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a heavy military force there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Then the attendant of the man of God arose early and went out, and behold, A military force with horses and chariots was all around the city. And his young man said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he said, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Yahweh, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And they came down to him, and Elisha prayed to Yahweh and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Walk after me, and I will walk you over to the men whom you seek. And they walked them over to Samaria. Now it happened that when they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Yahweh, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So Yahweh opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? And he said, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those who you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and walk back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master, and the marauding bands of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's a wonderful episode, and one that 
Um, we ought to remember among the stories of Elijah and Elisha, this looms uh, large as a teaching text and has immediate relevance that I'm sure that you can see. And there is an emphasis on hearing and on seeing in this chapter. Do you see it? In the opening verses, uh, there's an emphasis on that God can hear the king of Aram, the enemy of Israel, whatever he says, wherever he is. But in the remainder of the passage, there's an there's a intentional play on eyesight, what you see with your eyes and what you see with your heart. The king of Aram is again a traditional enemy of Israel, and Israel, as we know by this point, is no faithful nation. Israel in the north at this point is uh, basically a nation of apostasy. There are a few who are faithful. We have learned of them through Elijah and Elisha and and at least 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to the Baals. But by and large, Israel has been unfaithful to God. And before we move on into the text, too deep into the text, we should just note the mercy and grace of God, that how he is faithful to his covenant. In the New Testament, we, we love uh, that phrase, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And here's another illustration of that. And, and frankly, that's our only hope, isn't it? <laughs> that's our only hope, um, is that if, if we have entered into a covenant with God, Our only hope is that he keeps up his side of the bargain and praise God that the new covenant established in the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins is a unilateral covenant that God makes and he's faithful to. Doesn't mean, of course, that we can do whatever we want. There's much teaching in the New Testament that if we live a, a disobedient life that gives no evidence of any love for Christ, that that we are not his people ultimately and we will be judged. But here God has a relationship with the nation that he's entered into. And even though Israel is unfaithful, God is still in his mercy protecting them. He's protecting the king of Israel. And we don't know exactly which particular king of Israel this king is. This episode is, is just relayed to us. We don't know the exact time period in Elisha's ministry. But nonetheless, it is a picture of God's grace and of God's faithfulness. He's a God who's faithful to his covenant. And then in verses 8 through 14, he is the God who hears and sees. We, We learn this again, and this has been a repeated theme in the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. He is the God who who hears and the God who sees. He he sees his people and he protects them. It's just a pretty funny episode where the king of Aram is coming up with plans and he's going to you know, secretly attack Israel. But every time it happens, Elisha, who's presumably probably not on very good terms with the king of Israel, right? Nonetheless, God is the God of Israel. Therefore, Elisha, even though he's often a hunted man, still wants to protect the people of Israel. And so Elisha learns from God. God reveals to Elisha whatever the king of Aram is planning, and Elisha sends uh, intelligence reports to the king of Israel. I mean, this is the best spy program you could ever have. I mean, if if God is your your agent, uh, you're pretty good. You you don't have to worry about your your inside um, spying capabilities, because he can hear. 
And it is rather comical. The king of Aram, verse 11, is just up enraged because he's tried to attack on several times. And when he shows up, the king of Israel already knew the play. So he assumes somebody in my court has to be spilling the beans. I mean, somebody has to be a double agent here. Somebody has to be spying for the king of Israel. But one of his servants, verse 12, says no. Um, Apparently, everybody knows except the king of Aram what's really going on. Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel that you speak in your bedroom. I mean, it's it's, it's a, the idea here is it doesn't matter, king, whatever you say, whatever plans you make, this prophet of God, the Yahweh, the God of Israel, he knows. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how secretive you are. He hears it. He knows it. And he spills the beans and tells the king of Israel. Elisha's the problem. And it gets a little even more comical when the king of Aram, I mean, this is a little dense, when in verse 12, uh, sorry, verse 13, he says, go and see where he is that I may send and take him. <laughs> You've just learned that the man of God, Elisha, has an ins- God tells him whatever you say. So the fact that you just told, I want to go find him, he's going to know it. You're not going to sneak up on Elisha, the man of God. And yet the king of Aram uh, hasn't picked up on that. He's a little dull. Um, so, anyways, he tries to sneak up on Elisha. And our tendency is to think, oh, horses and chariots, that's so cute and that's so quaint. You know, maybe they have those at the Queen's funeral or at some, some event in Washington, D.C. Horses and chariots, isn't that, isn't that cute? Um, well, uh, we're not fighting on a battlefield with merely a sword or a spear in our hand. Um, facing horses and chariots with, uh, with men inside those chariots with arrows. And I mean, chariots in that time were like the tanks that uh, the U.S. government is trying to convince Germany that they should lend to Ukraine. And I don't mean to get into that debate at all. But here we are, we're hearing in the news about tanks and, and weaponry and, and patriot defense missiles and, and all these things to try to help Ukraine. And and we're impressed with these weapons, and they are powerful. And, and if I was on the ground and I was fighting, and I thank God I'm not, but I, I wouldn't want to see a tank on the horizon or, or one of these advanced weapon systems. These horses and chariots were the most advanced weapon system of their day. And with them, you could mow down men by the hundreds and by the thousands. And so this is intimidating. This is powerful. This is like the city being surrounded by tanks and by troops along with them and advanced missile systems. I mean, they're goners. And that's what the young man who's the servant of Elisha assumes. He wakes up in the morning and he goes out, verse 15, he sees them all around the city. And I mean, all he sees is what he sees with his eyes. And what he sees with his eyes is the forces of the enemy. And they are so overwhelming and they are so powerful that his heart is stricken with fear. Alas, my master. I mean, the battle's done before it's even started. Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
Now, I would like to stand here and I would like to look down my nose at this young man and I would like to preach about, oh, he should have trusted God. But I have to say in this story, though I would like to identify more with Elisha, particularly as a, a, a post-middle-aged man, I, I have to say I, I'm embarrassed, and maybe some of you can identify with me, that I, I can identify with this young man that I too often tend to see with my eyes the circumstances, the situation, and my heart too quickly goes to, alas. Now, I don't use alas, but that's what your heart is saying when you're fearful. And when I'm fearful, when circumstances rise up, when opposition to the work of God rises up, what shall we do? We're too prone to unbelief and to fear like this young man, even we who have seen God's faithfulness over the years. Alas, so he sees the army, the enemy, he comes to Elisha, but then it is so beautiful and so moving, verses 16 and 17, which are really the heart of this passage. Elisha says, do not fear. That's the issue. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than who are with them. And the young man's looking at Elisha, and he's probably thinking, oh boy, the dementia's starting. Uh, he's blind because Elisha just said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the young man's looking at Elisha, probably getting a little bit older, and the young man's looking around, and he's saying... The more with us than are with them. I just saw troops and tanks and chariots and horses, as it were, around the city. What do you, what do you mean there's more with us? You know, uh, anybody home, Elisha? Elisha, yeah. Um, there's a whole army out there that wants to kill you. <laughs> and so Elisha uh, is, is saying, do not fear. Elisha sees something the young man does not. And how does Elisha see it? He, maybe God has revealed it to Elisha's physical eyes. But this isn't the first time. Do you remember back in chapter, not that long ago, in chapter 2 of Second Kings? Quickly turn there. Chapter 2. When Elijah was taken up, in chapter 2, verse 11, Elisha was with Elijah, his master. Elisha's a young man at this point. And in verse 11, they were walking along, talking, and there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and it separated the two of them. Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha was seeing this, and he was crying out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. It's uh, not merely a play on words to say that that sight of chariots and horses of fire, the, the armies of heaven, the angelic host blazing fire, that that sight was emblazoned upon Elisha's heart and mind. He has an idea of God's protection and of the character and nature of the forces that are 
with them. Elisha understood if God is for us, who can be against us? So he prayed back to chapter 6, verse 17, O Yahweh, I pray, open his eyes, open the young man's eyes that he may see. And Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Full. <laughs> and, and we're not told the young man's response. It's just silence. And in this case, the silence is instructive. Oh, we don't hear any more about the young man being afraid. We don't hear alas anymore. We don't hear nervousness or what shall we do. He sees and he understands. He understands who God is. And he understands that if God is going to protect Elisha and him, they're, they're in good hands. They don't have to be afraid. And neither do we. If we are Christ people, if we are trusting in Christ, we have no reason to be afraid. I know we are sometimes. But we need to to pray, oh God, open our eyes. And I don't expect that we'll see literal fire chariots. Or, but we need to understand that these angelic forces that God has, that Christ has, do watch over his people and that there is a spiritual war going on unseen and that when we are in Christ's service we are always safe it's an amazing thing that that we can never be taken out of service to the Lord until the day that the Lord has appointed Satan will never succeed in taking out one of Christ's servants apart from Christ's permission because Christ's men and women are protected by the power of God and that's an awesome thing it's so encouraging particularly as the days are evil and dark and um, the culture and Satan wants to steep your heart with fear and we are not allowed to fear and part of the reason we're not to fear is because God is so powerful and he has his armies around us um, I, I absolutely believe that when we assemble, uh, that there are angels present who observe our worship and who guard and protect us. I don't see angels behind every tree. We don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. We don't talk to angels. But it's a biblical teaching that angels are present with Christ's people, and they guard them and they protect them. So, open the eyes of the man. So his eyes are opened, and that's why Elisha wasn't afraid. It wasn't that Elisha had some kind of charisma or some boldness. He just wasn't afraid because he had an idea of just who was protecting him. So they're perfectly safe. And um, then finally, the enemy, verse 19, sorry, verse 18 they came down to him. Who's the they? They are the troops of Aram, the chariots and horses, the enemy. And Elisha prayed, and he just prayed for God to open the eyes of the young man. But now he prays that God would 
close the eyes of the enemy. Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So God strikes them with blindness. Um, They not only don't see the chariots of fire and the horses, they don't see anything. They're blinded. And the word there apparently in the Hebrew has to do with being blinded by light. It, it, you wonder if, if um, maybe they didn't see the, the chariots of fire and horses, but maybe God just for a moment, you know, let his Shekinah glory just blaze. And all of these men, these enemies, they were just blinded by the glory of the light of God. Just, just, you know, when you look at the sun, you, sh- you shouldn't look at the sun, but you know, when you can't help it, and, or even lights, and, and, and you look somewhere else, and, and you see the glow of the sun still in your eyes, even though you're not looking at it. These men were blinded, perhaps, by the glory of God, and, and the fire of God, the light. And so they're blinded. And so it's, again, rather humorous. Elisha goes to them, and, uh, you know, he, he, actually, he actually doesn't really lie, uh, is you may think that's not very nice. He's playing with them. But he tells them, he says, this is not the way. This is not the city. Walk after me and I will walk you over to the man whom you seek. Well, he is the man that they seek. Uh, he's just going to make sure that he walks and leads them right to the capital of Israel into the hands of the king of Israel. And then they can see him. Um, he technically tells the truth and and. Uh, God just has his enemies in his hand. And so they go to the city of Samaria. And when the king of Israel sees them, I'm sorry, then, then verse 20, the enemy's eyes are opened and they're in the midst of Samaria. They're done. I mean, they've walked right into, they're surrounded. They're in the capital city. The army of Israel is completely surrounding them. And uh, they're dead men. And the king of Israel would like to make them dead. But here we see that God not only blinds the, closes the eyes of his enemies, he also shows them grace. And I think Dale Ralph Davis is, is helpful in his commentary in pointing out that, that God, oh, perhaps in his opening the eyes of these men, and then how he treats them through the king of Israel by giving them food and water and not slaughtering them, they, they see a little bit of the kindness and the goodness and the grace of the God of Israel. Um, and so the king of Israel is an evil man. He wants to strike him down, but he obeys the word of Elisha. They prepare a great feast for their enemies. And when they eaten and drunk, he sent them away. How humbling that must have been. I mean, how do you go back to the king of Aram and <laughs> uh, boss? You're not going to believe this one. Um, <laughs> Uh, how do we tell you this? Uh, we went to get Elisha and we were all there surrounding the mountain. We had all our chair. We had all everything. And um, suddenly this light flashed and not one of us could see a thing. We had no idea where we were. The entire army was blinded. But uh, this, this man led us to where we think we could find Elisha. Only we were led to Samaria and our eyes were open and it was Elisha himself. And we thought we were dead men, but, but the kings of Israel and the, and the people of Israel fed us, and, and here we are. <laughs> and verse 23, the Arameans did not come into the land of Israel. They, they got it they, at this point in history. Other times they would attack, but uh, for this generation, they, they got it. They got the message that the God of Israel is a God who hears 
The God of Israel is a God who sees. The God of Israel is a God who opens, blinds, and opens the eyes of the blind. And he's a God of grace. This is our God. And if we have one lesson tonight that we need to take home, we pray that God would open our eyes, that we would see the truth of who he is, of his protection of us and his power, and that we would hear the words of Elisha in verse 16. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for your mercy and that you deal gently with us. You dealt gently with that young man, the servant of Elisha. You even dealt gently with the enemies of Israel. And we thank you for dealing gently with us. You know that too often our hearts uh, have fear because of circumstances in our life or, or the darkness and the evil of the days and the fear of what could be. We pray that you would instill within us by grace through faith in your word the kind of confidence and faith of your man, Elisha, that we would believe that you protect us, that you watch over us, that you are mighty to save, and that we would know this all the days of our life, and that when others look in our eyes, that they would see not the self-confidence that this culture lifts up, but that they would, others would see in our eyes the confidence of faith, faith that if God is for us, there is no one who can be against us. We bless you and praise you for your power, for your provision, and your protection. In Jesus' name, amen.